Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. On today's show, we will review the weekend Serie A action. Another thrilling and dramatic weekend. Inter stay top with a massive result at Atalanta. Juventus are only two points behind after they went full Allegri ball in beating Fiorentina in Florence. Milan are in complete crisis now as they lose again at home to Udinese with purely out trending on social media. Napoli are back in the top four after winning at Salernitana. Roma had an epic win over Lecce, scoring twice in injury time to overturn a 1-0 deficit to win 2-1. While we ask, can Bologna challenge for Europe after they beat Lazio to extend their unbeaten run to 10 games? We'll also preview the Champions League in match day four, where Lazio and especially Milan simply must win. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. And now you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify. We'll provide the link in the description. It's the same price, same terms. And for all of you that do listen on Spotify, Apple, iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate to give us a five-star rating, give us a follow, give us a like. We're also on YouTube. Um, it really helps us to grow and do more quality content for everyone. So let's get into today's show. Okay, right. Let's start off with the Sunday evening game. Uh, Fiorentina versus Juventus. Always a very heated rivalry there. Um, Juventus win 1-0. Let's talk about this from from the Juventus point of view because as peak Allegri ball or Terra ball or whatever you want to call it (laughs) goes, this was uh, peak prime Allegri as Juventus win 1-0 with with an XG of 0.19. Presents 30% possession, five shots to Fiorentina's 24, two corners to nine. It was, um, well, from an aesthetic point of view, pretty unwatchable. Um, It should be unsustainable, but Juventus won. Juventus are two points off the top. They have six clean sheets in a row. Um, And they are there, Nima. They are there. Um, They're only two points off Inter. Um, they're breathing down their necks. And this was an important win away to Fiorentina. It's not an easy place to go to uh, for anyone, uh, including Juve. And I thought Juve, they they handled it really well. Um, they I thought they were incredibly defensively sound. Um, yes, Fior- I mean, if you look at the other side, Fiorentina had lots of possession, but they didn't really create that much with it. I mean, they had, what, four shots on target. They had a total XG of 0.7. I mean, 0.3 in the first half and 0.4 in the, in the second half. Um, it wasn't, It wasn't. The, you know, I thought Juve were very controlled and composed. Um, and despite, you know, four of those shots on target, Juve had, uh, sorry, Fiorentina had, were, in the, were, were you know, were, were in the first half and, and they barely created anything in the second half, uh, Fiorentina. I, I thought Juve were in control and, and, and just, 
did got everything the way they wanted the game exactly like they wanted it, the game played out exactly as I expected it to I thought Italiano showed it once again that he's very naive in these situations um, and I think some of the tactical decisions which I'm sure you will get to as well were a bit I was a bit surprised by them to be honest yeah I mean from from Juventus point of view defense was was fantastic um, if we're talking about as a defensive unit the organization the structure um, I mean, the XGs are differently are different in some places. You said 0.7. The, the, the what I use said 0.94. But regardless, you're right. It, Juventus, Fiorentina didn't create much clear cut, um, really anything clear cut. Chesney did make a couple of, of, of excellent saves in the first half, uh, one from Gonzalez and then a free kick as well. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, Fiorentina didn't create any clear clear opportunities. Um, and you know that, that this has this has generally been the case since that Sassuolo aberration. Is Juventus uh, have been very very good defensively? Uh, I thought Bremer was a monster. So many clearances. So his position was superb. Uh, he was just everywhere. Uh, Rugani um, as well was really really excellent. Um, I believe I would need to double check this, but I've seen I've seen it. Uh, people tweeting that Juventus haven't conceded with Rugani playing this season um i need to double check that but that this is what i've seen people tweeting so if that is true then you know it just backs up that he's had he's been really really good this season regarding um and um but yeah so many blocks throwing men in front of the ball but but winning all the crosses uh i think fiorentina had something like something like 30 odd crosses in this game um juventus were winning everything gatti obviously very good in the air as well uh, McKenney, you know, is abysmal on the ball and going forward, but defensively, he's actually very good defensively. He he doesn't really get done by his man. He's good positionally. He doubles up. He 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 carries his job out well. Um, so so yeah, I mean, Juventus have sorted out their defense. They have sorted out their defense. Um, I thought Chesney was was very good. Was commanding. Um, he's been superb as well since that Sassuolo game. Um, he, was, he was really good in the Atalanta game, which which Juventus were, were, were nil nil. So so we have to give it to, to Juventus defensively, for sure. Um, we also have to credit uh, Miretti. I think that was a nice, lovely moment for him. He's finally scored his first Juventus goal. It's been a real weight on his shoulders. You know, everybody's been, oh, Miretti, when's he ever going to score? When's he going to score? And I think Allegri even said before the game that he needs to start scoring. And, and he got his goal. He took it well. Um, he's got a chance now to be a regular, as obviously with Fagioli and Pogba being out. Between now and January, this is Moretti's got a big, big opportunity between now and January when Juventus are expected to. Well, I'm, I think they're almost certainly they'll definitely sign a centre midfielder in January. So this is a chance for Moretti. Um, so, so yeah, that, I mean that those are the positives. As is the result, as is the fact Juventus are only two points off Inter. Um, there's no Europe, of course, um, and. The other thing, the other positive way of looking at this, I mean, I think Inter, who will come to, I think are on another level to everyone at the moment, but people that want to be critical of Juventus and how they're playing, um, I mean, look at Milan, look at Napoli, but especially look at Milan right now. I mean, they have big problems themselves. So as much as we can sit here and look at Juventus and, you know, and say, oh, this should be unsustainable, playing like this and creating this little, I mean, offensively, Juventus were abysmal again in this game and and you know you've got to be able to keep the ball you can't just defend even if you're going to be defensive you have to keep the ball better than Juventus keep the ball they just give all they do is just give it straight back 
They give it straight back to Fiorentina every single time. Back to Fiorentina. They defended it well when they did give it back to them, but you've got to be able to keep the ball better for this to be to be sustainable. You'd, th- you'd think, but if you look at some of the other contenders, Inter aside, Milan and Napoli, I mean, they've got big problems themselves, and we're going to come to, we're going to come to Milan and talk about their crisis. So, I think yeah, there's lots to be, you know, there should be lots to be positive, and they do look like to, there is a togetherness there with Juventus. You can see them fighting for one another. You can see that they're in it all together. And I think that's that's definitely positive as well. No, I agree. I want to echo everything you said. I just want to add that I think that, you know, like I said, the, the, we, the season really starts from match to 10 onwards. And Juve are in the thick of this. This is, um, uh, you know, they're only two points behind um, and they only play once a week. They're not scoring a lot, but they're not, you know, offensively, they're not playing too well. But usually with Allegri sides in a normal season, if they can have that without much, without nonsense off, off the pitch, then, then from January onwards is when his teams really hit the ground running. Um, and they really, they really, really fly from then on towards the end of the season. And, and for him to have this Juve two points off Inter after not really playing too well in attack, is 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 a is a sign of concern for everybody else, uh, especially Inter, who are playing well and look really good. But then, then again, if you have a situation, you know, from February onwards, you know, you got the Supercoppa, the Inter are in, and then you got the Champions League, the Inter, are, you know, in the round of sixteen and the Coppa Italia, etc. That's a lot of games between February and May, mm. um, and three, four fronts. Um, you've only have one and that, or two. It's Coppa Italia and it's Serie A. That's it. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, I would say usually I would say that Juventus playing the way they are and creating as little as they are. I would say hundred in a normal season. I would say hundred percent. It's unsustainable. It's unsustainable. You you can't. We saw it last season when I remember. Remember when Juventus went on that long unbeaten run of, te- of that, that long winning run of, of winning. How many did they win in a row? One nils uh, Seven, around something like that on Christmas time, and everyone was getting carried away. And I was steadfast: it's unsustainable. It, you cannot continue like this with such a low xG, with such low chance creation. And in the end, that that proved to be true. But this season, with not being in Europe, you know, it could be it could be different. It could be different. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I have to take off my hat to Allegri in the sense that. Um, you know, Juventus have got a lot of players out as well. Um, look at the midfield. I mean, Cambiasso had to come in and play as a central midfielder in the second half. Uh, Rabio is going to be suspended for the for the game against Cagliari. I have no idea who's going to play centre midfield for that game. I mean, they have no centre midfield, Juventus. Uh, and yeah, he's getting the, he's managed to get these results. Um, you know, and then you see like people like Milan. You know, at Milan. Pioli apologists saying, oh, Milan have got all these players out. And they do have all these players out. But, you know, look at Juventus' midfield. Look how decimated they are. And they're still getting results. So, you know, I, I think you have to, you know, you have to say well done um, in, in that sense for sure. Um, but they are definitely, the, yeah, they're going to have to start at least keeping the ball better. You can't, you can't just, you can't just play like this with, with, with just giving the ball back. I mean, it was... It was. It was pretty. There was one moment in the second half. It was. It was like a just Juventus in the penalty area. But I mean, they weren't. They were. They were well organised, and they and they never. And honestly, Fiorentina could have been there all night, and they weren't going to score once that second half was going. So well, that's exactly how it felt. I mean, it just felt like Juve was so solid defensively, mm. and Bremer is finally starting to deliver at the level that we 
Yeah, he was fantastic. Let's talk about Fiorentina, though. Let's talk about Mm. Fiorentina because, I mean, they did totally dominate this game in terms of possession, in terms of territory, in terms of number of shots and and everything. But as I said, you know, they, they, as, as the game got into the second half, Fiorentina just, they were just so predictable. It felt like they had no plan B. I mean, first of all, I want to start off the starting point is what I've all, what I've said for two years now, which is Fiorentina just have a lack of quality in attack. Uh, there's nothing in attack. Apart from Nico Gonzalez, there is nothing in attack. Uh, and, you know, Belletran and Zola have come in this season as the, as the two strikers. Right now, they don't look any better than Cabral and Jovic. It's still early days. You know, we'll see if Beltran can develop. He was very good in Argentina. Unzola is looking more and more like the kind of player who maybe this is maybe he's a step below this level. Maybe maybe Spezia or a mid-table team is his is more his level. Maybe, but you know, they they don't have the striker. Their left wing. I'll say it again. <laughs> Christian Kwame for me, he's not even. He's a Serie B level player. How the hell he is still the, the how the hell he still is still starting for Fiorentina on the left wing? I mean, it's 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 a damning indictment. Less so on on Italiano, although Italiano does have this weird fetish for for Kwame for some reason. But more so on Daniele Prade and, and the Fiorentina uh, transfer team. That really twenty twenty three and they're still playing Kwame. Kwame is still their left winger. I mean, what what are they doing in the transfer market? I mean. There was just a lack of quality. I mean, they were absolutely dominant, dominant in terms of territory. They were all Juventus were just defending in their box for large portions of this game. They never looked like creating anything. But just, there's just no quality there in in attack at all. So, they, I mean, as long as this continues, I think we're going to see this story play out a lot, not just against Juventus. We're going to see Fiorentina have all the dominance but struggle to create. Having said that, though, on the Italiano point of view. Um, too many crosses in this game. If I'm going to be critical of Italiano, I think it was, yeah, it was 38 crosses. I mean, you're playing against three monsters aerially. Um, two especially. I mean, Bremer is maybe the best in the air, defensively, in, in, in the air. If you look at stats the last two seasons. Gatti is a monster in the air. Rugani is, is excellent in the air as well. I mean, what do you expect? 38 crosses in the box against Juventus. You're not going to score. Okay. You're not going to score aerially against Juventus. So I think that Italiano, yeah, I think he played into Juve's hands a bit in this game. I, without a doubt, he did that. Um, the, as I said, this game went exactly the way I expected it, uh, the way I thought it was going to go. I thought they were going to have a lot of possession. I thought you were going to put them, give them that position and keep them controlled and not allow them to create anything. And in order to to break down Juve, you need to have much movement. Uh, you need to have movement from midfield. And I'm surprised Bonaventura didn't start because of that. I'm I don't understand that at all. I don't get that at all. I mean, I like Barak, but I think in this game, you wanted to Bonaventura in there simply because of the traits he's got. He can, he's a good finisher from outside the box. His movement, that was very strange for me. Um, and... Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, when we talk about Kwame, uh, I've said it so many times, I've not really nothing more to add. Uh, Kwame is only a world-class player when he plays Inter. If he played Inter 38 times a year, he, he'd, he'd win the Ballon d'Or. But luckily, for unfortunately for him, he doesn't play Inter every time, every week. He only plays them twice a year at most for Fiorentina, and that's when he scores his goals, and that's what he, that's why they keep him. Um, but other than that, no, they 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 look so. It's it's a strangely built attack. 
Uh, it's Nico Gonzalez, and then he, I don't really know what the idea is. Um, and, and and I think that is... It's Nico Gonzalez and Inshallah. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very weird. And they do have a lot of possession. The thing is... The, the thing the is... Possession that, that, is safe. It's, it's always safe. It's, it's safe possession. It's not, it's not threatening anyone. Well, I think, that, I think that Fiorentina... Listen, I think that it's very, very impressive what Italiano has done in terms of getting this kind of team to dominate games so much with with this standard of team this this standard of players yes we know the italiano weaknesses we've spoken about them so many times and including you know how they executed it in this game i think it's very very impressive if he had better attackers i'm sure it would be much more successful but fiorentina's attack i mean what do you expect you know with kwame and and then this level of strikers and and i'm just not and i've said it i've been saying it all season i i'm was not impressed by Fiorentina's transfer market at all, mm. at all, um, and you know I, I, I don't expect much from them this season. I'll be honest with you. I, I said it from day one, and and they've now lost three games in a row, um, so we're starting to see that. I think I think they have been unlucky these last two games. I, don't, I mean they didn't deserve to lose against Juventus. They didn't deserve to lose against Lazio. They probably deserved draws in both those games. So they've been a little bit unlucky. But if we're talking generally. Um, I'm not expecting much from this Fiorentina this season. Mm. No, neither am I. Um, I'm, I think they're going to finish seventh somewhere there. Um, the only thing I expect from Fiorentina is to get at least to the semi-final of the Conference League because I think that, that they do have the quality to do that. Mm. But other than that, no top top seven, eight, something like that. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think. I think the top and they always four... give you a chance as well, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean. The, the goal was, 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 was awful defending from Fiorentina. There was three mistakes in there. First of all, Parisi is caught out. Um, he lets Kostic get in behind him. Uh, okay, we can maybe let Parisi off because he's not a right-back. He's a left-back. They're decimated at right-back. They've got both their two right-backs out, uh, Dodo and, and Cayud. So he's playing out of position, so we can kind of let him off. But then martinez Quarta gets beaten to the near post. And then Telechano as well. I mean, I thought he could have done better as well. He's bad very bad movement towards the towards this near post. Um, I mean, we know he's... I, I mean, again, talking about Christian Kwame, what, Telechano is still Fiorentina's goalkeeper in 2023 and you want to, you know, you want to be challenging yeah, yeah. At, at the top of Serie A. Or in Europe. I think it's I mean, embarrassing that they don't have a better goalkeeper to I mean, be he's, honest. again, uh, is he even a Serie A level goalkeeper? No. <laughs> you know? They, they have some players that have no business being in Fiorentina or Serie A for that matter. It's It's astonishing, to be honest. It really is. Yeah, it is. Okay, right. Talking about problems, uh, Milan. Milan and Stefano Pioli are definitely in a full-blown crisis now. Uh, well, it will be full-blown if they don't uh, if they don't beat PSG this, this midweek, but it is certainly a crisis. Uh, they lose at home to Udinese. Uh, Udinese hadn't won in Serie A this season. I think it's dates back 14 games or something they hadn't won uh, or something like that um, and um, this was a th- th- there's no way of sugarcoating this it, it's this was this was an abysmal performance from Milan one of the worst performances I've seen uh, since since Pioli's t- took charge at the club um, dreadful collectively individually all departments dreadful in attack created virtually nothing all game 0.4 xg uh, I, well, I saw they had a 0.4 XG going into injury time. Then in injury time, they had a little bit of a, a flurry um, and they had a few a few chances in injury time. But until then, um, nothing, created absolutely nothing. Um, they conceded 
lots of opportunities. Udinese had an XG of 2.1. It was a fully deserved win for Udinese. Um, and the, I mean, the big question here now really is um, Pioli's position. Should he be in danger now? Because he's lost a lot of the Mil- Milan fans are turning against him now. I this is what I said. I think it was in one of our earlier was a preview even uh, when I said that I think this this season the patience with Pioli will not be as long uh, or, or there there won't be as much patience with him as in previous seasons because well he's been there for what is it five year fifth six six season now fifth season and this summer they really gave him everything he wanted they, they he he can't say he wasn't backed okay they sold Tonali but. They 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 gave him the depth and the player. He they, he literally got everything he pointed at, um, and it's not looking good at all. Um, it looks it looks exactly like it does when things go to hell for Pioli. Um, it looks just completely nothing's working. They look disjointed. They look unorganized. They look uh, they they just look so frustrating and frust they, they, they act frustrating frustrated and they are frustrating to watch um they they just seem you can almost touch the anxiety on the pitch when when they're playing and it's it's just it's it's so weird to see um but yeah no i i think there is um there is a big chance that they get rid of him i really think so um, I don't know if I, if that's the right thing to do, but then again, I don't want to say too much either because I've been here with Pioli before so many times. He breathes, you know, he has more lives than a Cheshire cat, and and he he's shown that to us every time we think he he's you know this is it, like because he's been in worse crises than than this time, um, but he's always bounced back. And Mila, he, he's found some way, whether it was tactical changes, whether it was you know formation changes, whatever it was. He's managed to get them back on on board, and they've always reacted to his changes. And unless, you know, if he were to make changes and not get any reaction from the team, well, then then he has to go because that means he no longer has the dressing room, right? But as long as he's got that dressing room, I think it would be foolish to get rid of him. And to me, it seems that they are still behind him. But I don't think the patience with him from uh, Jerry Cardinale and these guys are, is, is as much as it was before. Got to remember, Pioli wasn't, you know, he won't cost them any prestige to get rid of Pioli because Pioli's kind of almost, you know, overachieved his, you know, anything and everything they, they expected of him. I mean, his first season, full first season in charge, he was second, then he won the Scudetto. Last year, he finished fifth. Um, so, you know, he's been there for, for, for quite a long time now. Yeah, I I think on the question of Pioli, I I think that I think the PSG game really is crucial. I I think and 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 whether or not Milan would sack during the season, I don't know. I'm not sure whether they would. That's the way they do things. I mean, time will tell. But I think if we're if we're looking at certainly end of the season, I think if if Milan don't beat PSG. Um, I mean, we know if they don't beat PSG, that that's basically it. That they're out of the Champions League. I mean, we, we might as, we might as well write them off now. They, they need they need an absolute miracle to qualify if they don't beat PSG. Um, and you know, you look at Serie A. I mean, again, like you just said, it they finished fifth last season. They shouldn't even be in the Champions League this season. Uh, and, and now they're starting to fall behind. I mean, it's not 
it's not it's not a total crisis in terms of they're six points behind Inter. So I mean, it's not like it's all over, but um, but you know, it's if you if you look at it last season and now they're six points behind Inter already now and they're they're losing all these big games. Um, you know, maybe it, I think the, the the Milan leadership will look at it and say, well, we're 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 not. We're not we're not progressing anymore with Pioli. Uh, I think the PSG game um, in midweek is 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 going to be absolutely crucial for for <clears throat> excuse me for Pioli's position um, because uh, you know that will determine whether Milan are actually progressing anymore. Um, and if you look at Milan over the last year or so, um, I mean they probably at the very at the very least they've been stagnating. Um, you know, they finished fifth last season in Serie A. Let's not forget that. They shouldn't even be in the Champions League this, this season. Okay, they got to the semi-final of, of the Champions League. That, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but that can happen in the Cups. In the Cups, you can have a good cup run sometimes. Um, if Milan go out of the Champions League in the group stages and then we look at them, they're already six points behind Inter. I think the Milan leadership will, will look at this and maybe they, they won't sack him mid-season. Uh, I don't know if that's the way they would do things, but I think they maybe will come to the decision that, yeah, maybe this is just natural. You know, the team, he's been there a long time. He's been there since 2019. He came in. It's nearly five years. It's going to be coming on five years. You know, that happens. Teams go stale. They need new motivation. Um, Pioli's been there. Maybe he's been there too long. Uh, right now, he doesn't seem to, I mean, it's always been an, a problem of his. He doesn't seem to be able to adapt and change the way of playing. Um I mean, he's tried a 4-4-2 here in this game against Udinese in the first half. I mean, it was bizarre. It was a bizarre lineup. Uh, Jovic and Giroud up front in a front two. Two slow strikers with no movement. I mean, I mean, it's really bizarre. Liao was wide midfield left. Musa was right, wide right midfield. So you're not going to get anything in terms of, you know, wing play from Musa. Uh, and then I think Florenzi, Florenzi was left back. I mean, I know there was injury issues and they had to, you know, improvise a little bit. But, I mean, it was a total mess. That first half, I mean, the whole game was a mess. But the, but the first half in that 4-4-2, I mean, they couldn't put any moves together, structurally, positionally, no patterns of play. I mean, it was a total, it was like they'd never played together before. And Pioli does this, you know, he, 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 he occasionally tries to change something uh, and, and it never works. <laughs> And then you know, and he returns to reverts to type again. I mean, I don't know what that four four two was. I have no idea. I, I think the four four two was more to kind of get them to find some sort of balance in 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 in, in the sh- in, in their shape. Uh, I think that's been a, his problem that he you know he tries to do many times when he makes formation changes. He doesn't you know he doesn't do it permanently. It's just to kind of get them to understand a pattern of, of, of where, where he wants them to be balanced on the pitch. And then he goes back to his, you know, 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. I think that's the idea behind that 4-4-2 against Udinese. I think he was basically trying to, you know, ease them in. It's, it, is, it is the safest formation in football, isn't it? Um, and I think that's what it was, and more than anything. Uh, but it but wasn't it safe look, in this game. No, <laughs> no it looked horrible. He looked absolutely horrible. Um, and Jovic and Giroud, I mean, they have a problem in up front. They have a problem in strikers uh, with strikers up front. I still don't understand why they didn't keep Lorenzo Colombo. I just don't understand that. I think he, mm. you know, he he's he's a young player. He's a good player. He's a he's a, he's a strong. He's physical. He's, his movement is excellent. He can hold up play, as we've seen. And, and instead, they went after Jovic, which makes no sense sense to me whatsoever. 
makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And Colombo's starting to pick up as well. It's got two two lovely mm. goals. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, the second one was just out. Yeah. I mean, go look at that. He's alone against four defenders. He mm. can hold. You know, he he drives the ball forward. He's alone. They 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 can't get near him because he's a big physical guy. He he co- protects the ball. He cuts out uh, from from the right in in the middle to his left, and then buries it into the. I mean, it was that is a top class goal. It was. It was fantastic. Goal. I mean, I, I I would counter that and say it was also really bad defending, but but it was it was a beautiful beautiful goal, uh, and he's really starting to to progress now. And you can't mm. tell me that Colombo wouldn't be. This is what I mean. Wouldn't be better than than Jovic. Uh, I mean, I don't mean. get me wrong. I'm glad that that, that Colombo is at Monza because he's going to yeah. get game time and he's going to improve there. He's going to play regularly, more regularly than he would at Milan. But from Milan's point of view, you can't tell me that you're better off with Jovic than. <laughs> then, then, um, uh, no, I think next season, next summer, they have to make a decision with Colombo. It's getting ridiculous. If either you're going to give him a chance to sell him, because this is just ridiculous now, um, when you've got players at the club who aren't anywhere at all better than Colombo, and you're like, you can't, you're not even prepared to give him a chance. I mean, it's just, it's weird. No, for sure. And I mean, Milan are struggling in front of goal. I mean, they are. I mean, Giroud, I think, is he's only scored in one game of the last. 10, 11 matches, that Napoli game. Other than that, he hasn't scored. He hasn't scored. Uh, Liao is now 10 games without a goal uh, for club and country. Eight games without a goal or, or assist. Um, and Liao is, this is, I mean, we discussed this. We had a, we, we spoke about this at depth on, on the Thursday show. I mean, Liao is really in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation here where he needs to find a way out of this because teams are starting, I don't know if teams are starting to figure him out, but I mean, certainly Udinese were doubling up on him in this match and lots of teams are doing that now on Liao and when teams start to double up on you you know as a player you need to you, you can't keep playing the same way that you've been playing I mean when Liao was at his best during that Scudetto winning stretch um, in the second half of the Scudetto winning season you know he was receiving the ball on the left hand side in acres of space uh, I remember saying it on the, this pod about how naive teams were defending, yeah, defending him, making it so yeah. easy for him going one on one against him now teams aren't doing that. They're doubling up on him. They're cutting out the space. Um, he needs to find a way around that, you know, and whether that means that he moves over from the left and comes into the number 10 uh, area of the pitch or he moves to the other wing or or he moves into a, as a as a centre-forward. He goes into the centre-forward role and he lets... He becomes a team player and he le- and he vacates that area on the left-hand side for somebody else to, to, to use it. Maybe like Teo Hernandez. He didn't play in this game, but, you know, someone like Teo Hernandez to, to make use of, of his space or somebody else from the Milan team to make use of that space. Maybe Pulisic switches over onto the other side. You know, something like that. That's not just on Liao. That's also on Pioli. They, they need to yeah, find a way. Yeah, I was going to say that. They that's fi- on they need, to, they need to find a way between the two of them to to get round this 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 slump that he's in, but not so much, well, just as much for, for, for Liao, because I've just read out his numbers, but also for, for Milan, because at the moment it's a waste of time having a Liao that's, that's, that's in the team like this, because he offers nothing off the ball. He offers nothing defensively. Um, and 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 he, you know it almost works against Milan having having him playing like this. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that needs to be sorted. That needs to be sorted because if he can't sort that out, Leo, we can't be talking about him as a top player. No, because no. the top players find a way round these difficulties. This happens to everyone. When every when anyone has all the great players, once they break out, teams start to find out what they're good at, what they do well, and the great players adapt. 
they they tweak their game. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're adaptable enough and they've got they're complete enough to be able to play in a different way. And I think Kvaratskhelia is starting to show that. Yeah, recently. I was going because, to say Kvara. Because he was having this same issue, wasn't he? He went a long yeah. time without scoring. Teams were starting to find him out a little bit. And now he's come through it because he's found a way. He's coming inside more. He's, he's you know... He's, he's improved. He's improved. He's improved everything. And and I think we need to see that from Leao as well. It can't be, though, you know, just the same one-trick pony kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, he, he needs to adapt to that. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, we, listen, we have to also say Milan do have an injury crisis. Um, they do. You know, they, they do. only have two centre-backs. I mean, Benacer has been out for ages. Teo was out of this game. Pulisic was out. I mean, Chukwueze was supposed to be someone they could bring off the benches out. Krunic has now got a muscular injury as well. Um, and then, of course, we've got, as a result of all that, we've also got players being overplayed, like Liao, like Giroud. So, you know, we, we also do have to accept that. Milan, Milan do, have, do have some injury problems, um, but they are... Yeah, they're, they're, they're in terrible form. One win in six, one draw and three defeats in their last four games. Um, yeah, I'll say it again. Simply have to beat PSG. But Udinese, um, I mean, there's a great result. It's a great result for them. And deserved win as well. You can't say this was this wasn't some smash and grab. This was a deserved deserved win. They, they, they had the chances. They had, they had other good chances to, to, to go 2-0 up. Um, Defence conceded nothing. And like I said, until injury time when Milan kind of peppered the goal in injury time they had a few chances nothing conceded um, Samantzic we know what an amazing player he is um, but I want to give a word of credit to one player Festi Ebozele who who I'm not sure if I said on this pod but I've certainly I certainly said to you privately that he's somebody that that is um, has really impressed me this season um, he'd been, he's been one of the best dribblers in the league he's actually the, the statistically the sixth best dribbler the, the, from right wing back for, for, for Udinese and he was fantastic not only did he did he tie up Liao I think Liao only got past him once in this game but going forward he was really really dangerous and he won the, won the penalty going on one of his one of his dribbles so he's been really good he's Irish Irishman and um, yeah he, he was definitely a, a standout I think for, for for Udinese he really was um, and uh, no, it was, it was important for you for for Udinese to win to to get out of the problems uh, they are in uh, in in the table. I mean, they're sixteenth now. They took the first win of the season away at the San Siro, clean sheet. Now it was it was a very impressive win for Choffi, and it's um, yeah, no, they, they 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 had to win that. They really did because uh, otherwise the, the other teams are doing. You know, Cagliari won again as well, so. Yeah, it, it's that. That's going to be a hornet's nest. The, the relegation battle, as always. Absolutely right. So Inter. Let's move on to Inter now. Um, across Milan, and um, fantastic win for for Inter away from home at Atalanta, who are very difficult team to to play away. Uh, hadn't conceded a goal, I believe, this this season at home, uh, and and the weather conditions were were really really rotten. Hmm. And Inter come away with a with a with a two one win. Um, very tight, tough. It was a tough game, very tough game. Uh, and Atalanta were pushing for the equaliser at the end. Um, but this is the kind of win that, at the end of the season, kind of wins you wins you titles. These kind of really intensely fought games in bad weather conditions, away from home, in a tough hmm. game like this, isn't it, Nima? 
It really is. It really is. It's it's a huge, huge, huge important win. And also the way that Inter played, I, I, I thought they were, even in games when things aren't clicking, they have this kind of calmness about, about them and, and almost like this kind of feeling that well, they will resolve it sooner or later. They have this myth, this methodology where they just, you know, just keep drumming away and then the goals will come. Um, because they do have players who can, sh- who have good, you know, who can shoot from outside the box. They know how to, you know, they've got, they can cross the ball in and, and, and score you that way. They can play past you down the middle. They can hurt you in so many, very many different ways. Um, and, and that is why what makes Inter uh, so much more mature this season, I think, than, than in previous seasons. Uh, in, in the league, I mean, even though there were those missteps against Asolo and Bologna, which was really unnecessary. Um, but they learned from that and they've bounced back from that. And, and, and I feel like I'm watching an Inter that has taken strides and steps. Um, but having said that, they're only two points ahead of Juve, and, and they play Juve in a couple of weeks' time, so that's going to be ma- massive. Um, but we, I do want to talk about Chalanoglu. Uh, the pass for Darmia for that penalty was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, he, I, you know, when he joined Inter, I remember he was supposed to, you know, be his Luis Alberto. Um, but he he's turned him into his new Brozovic, and he's just he's he's one of the best, if not the best midfielder in Serie A right now, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I was going. I was going to ask the question: Is Chalanoglu the best central midfielder in Serie A? For me, on form, there's no doubt about it. On no. form, there's no one who comes near him, and and the fact that in terms of how intelligent he's become too, like the way that he so complete as well. Yeah, because he's not even bad. He's pretty good defensively as well. Yeah, right? which he he's would really not have expected. No, he's really. He was speaking about that himself. How he's improved his defensive work rate and, and his and, and, and read of the game and know what to do. And he's been. No, nah, look, this is Simon Inzaghi's uh, masterpiece, if you will, in terms of Inter. You know, he always develops player, but Chalanoglu has just become unbelievable under him. I mean, he's he is one of the. I mean, he is one of the best center midfield, uh, deep lying center mids in, in all in all of the world. I, I can't think of you know. He's he's definitely top three, um, and he's so he, his penalty taking as well. I mean, now he, he he just doesn't miss a penalty either, and and he creates because of the fact that you know when he drops deep and he plays these wonderful balls, you know, as a wing back or a winger. That ball is coming, so you just need to time your run, um, and it's really difficult to defend against uh, when, when 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 you have player like a player like him. And I think he's become he's he's really replaced Brozovic in the sense that for very many years it was just you know if Brozovic has a good day, Inter have a good day. Well, now you can say the same is true of Chalanoglu. Chalanoglu has a good day, Inter has a good day. Yeah, and uh, I think he's the. I actually think he's the one. I think he's even more irreplaceable than Lautaro um, for for Inter right now, um, which sounds <laughs> sounds mad. But I think that's no, he's not because if if Lautaro does not look, no, no, he's not because Lautaro Inter don't have any strikers. If Lautaro's injured, that's it. <laughs> there's no one there. Chalanoglu, mm. there's literally no one there. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Yeah, I see your point. I see your point in terms of scoring. In terms of scoring goals, I see your point. But in terms of playing, in terms of actual playing style, I mean, everything goes through Chalanoglu now. No, it I mean, does. But but I want to say though, Cristiano Aslani has uh, you know there's some inter believe in this kid, and I think he he he, he showed um, that when he came on uh, in the Champions League. Uh, 
uh, he when 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 he's called on, uh, I'm, I'm very very optimistic uh, about the kid because the, the, the what I've seen from I know he's no Chalanoglu, don't get me wrong. I mean against Roma, for example, not Champions League, sorry, but against Roma when he comes on and he plays those cross balls, um, you know, which Chalanoglu also does. I mean, uh, yes, of course, he's nowhere near Chalanoglu, but. From what we've understood when they speak together, I mean, the way that they've spoken about each other, Aslani says he's like my bigger brother. He's, he, Chalanoglu then says he's like my little brother. I learn from him every, during training. You know, like he's basically grooming him up to be his replacement at, uh, at the club. And he's uh, in that position. And that's a really good environment and, and, and good vibe to have at a football club where you have two players who are, you know, going for the same starting position. But you have a situation where one of them takes on to teach the other one like uh you know like a master teaching a teacher and they compete that way that's that's a very good problem to have no it is a good it is a good problem to to have and, and then to also have you know we're talking about milan and 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 juventus i mean you know you look at the players they have to come off the bench you compare that to, to inter i mean inter rotate players in, mm. in this game as well against away atalanta um you know the Pavard injury. How how serious is the Pavard injury? Do we know? I'm not, I don't think he needs an an operation, but it's a knee injury, which is you know it's it's never really good. Um, but but they're going to have um, uh, the, the, he's going through a test. Uh, yeah, tests today. Um, from what I've understood, I just checked the papers this morning, um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're talking about forty days. Um, okay. He's going to be up for so forty days. Christmas time, he'll be back, kind of yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, like, you know, he's. Uh, I just hope that it's not something serious. Like that's the only thing. Uh, you know, they were worried that it was going to be something something much more serious than that, but apparently they they feel more optimistic. Uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're doing tests today and hopefully there's nothing wrong with a ligament or anything like that, but just, you know, you know, he needs to just, you know, rehab, rehab. L- luckily quote unquote is an international break coming up. So you, you lose two weeks there. Um, so, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, but it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a weakness because he's, he's become so important. And, and surprisingly, really defensively as well, he's become very important defensively. But now it's uh, it's you know it's it's Darmian now, you know now now it's up to Darmian, and he was outstanding uh, against Atalanta, and, and we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Um, talking from the Atalanta point of view, though, um, I thought that I guess kind of maybe what we expect from Atalanta this season, like good, but maybe just not good enough. If we're talking top four I mean I, I thought that they were probably the better team until the penalty mm. um, but without really creating anything really much I think Ruggieri had a kind of a half chance where he put it across the, the, the goal mouth but I mean it wasn't like they were really creating much I thought Lookman was really good uh, very good on the ball he was dangerous but I thought Inter generally um, defended him him quite well two, two things I do want to talk about first of all Schemacher I know he scored I know he nearly scored the equaliser, but I was studying him. I was studying him a lot, and I want to see more. I think we need to see more from his overall game. Still, I, I just find him too static. I find his movement and his intensity 
needs to needs to improve like making himself available finding the space to receive the ball making those runs in behind he's too for me he's still too he's too static he's still he just stands still too much and waits for the ball to come to him and you know that for me that more than anything is is his biggest weakness and is and that is still what is stopping him from being you know a top top player because we know he has the quality we know he has that incredible technical qualities um, we know he has the incredible shot. He's he's tall. You know he could he can be a real aerial threat. Um, he's so physical and strong. You know he's got all those qualities. Um, but I still find that his kind of movement. I don't, I'm not going to compare him to Balotelli. But if you look at someone like Balotelli, like Balotelli never used to do it. They never used to move at all. Mm. And, and in modern football, you can't have strikers that are that 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 are that still up front. And I feel with Skimaka that. I get that impression of him too much that he's he his movement off the ball is is is, is not good enough. Uh, that might sound I, crazy saying that I, after, after I a can game. Agree with is, that. Yeah. I can agree with that. I think that's a really fair point. I think I, I want to see him more involved as well. Yes, I, I agree with that. That he can be a little bit too, like you said, too static. Uh, that, but more than just that, I, I just think his his m- movement patterns need to improve. For me it's not m- about as much as m- as much about how how much he moves, but what how, how he moves. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want him to improve. I don't think you're ever going to see Skamaka be this kind of you know, Ossiman striker that runs everywhere. That's just not who he is. But I want him to 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 time his runs and making more intelligent runs than he's doing right now. That I do want to see. Um, and and but about because I think if he does that, then he will his teams will benefit greatly from it because of the fact that he's so damn good at holding up the ball. He's a big guy. His is he, he's a great passer. He, his link up play is great. So no, I, I agree with that. But I think that's part of his development as well. I mean, he lost an entire year yesterday playing injured uh, for 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 Scottish Allegri as you call him. So you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. you know, I, I feel I think like that, looking back at him now, maybe it's not something I noticed until, but maybe that has always been his weakness. Um, you know, and and yeah, I think it needs to improve. I'm, I'm also thinking like Italy national team and playing under someone like Spalletti who requires his players to move and and, and come out of position and 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 everything, and you know, um, that kind of more total football. Uh, I, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I do feel like it's starting to irritate me now a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and on the positive side of it, positive point of view, you know, he scored two last Monday, including that fantastic back heel, and he scored again against Inter. Could have scored that equaliser. Someone made a really good save. Well, uh, he, hit the, he hit the woodwork twice on Monday. He yeah. He uh, he scored against England as well. So I mean, yeah. his scoring run has has improved. So I'm going to take those positives. The other thing I wanted to say is Musso obviously gave away the penalty. Um, I mean, he's been I, a disappointment. I thought I, he's been a disappointment for me, Anthony, because I liked him. I thought he'd be a good signing. Me um, too. He's. I don't think he's been a disaster. I just think he's just not been that great. Uh, and and I and then with Kaneseki there, I mean, Kaneseki, someone I'm still not sure how good he is either. Uh, I want to see more of him before I can say, oh yeah, he's going to be fantastic. But you know, Kaneseki's there waiting in the wings. I mean, there is the question now: should should Musso, should Kaneseki be playing instead of Musso? I mean, I think Gasparini has a decision to, to make that. He makes too many mistakes, Musso. Too many mistakes. Agreed. I agree 100%. I think he's been a disappointment. He was supposed to take the next step and he hasn't. Uh, and, 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 and I think it's weird because Fiorent, you know, Atalanta usually don't spend a lot of money on the signing players. And here they actually did that on Musso. And it turned out to be, well, not 
not failure, but he didn't exactly improve. And with Karnaseki there, I'd rather play Karnaseki, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think he probably deserves a chance now. I think mm, he deserves agreed. a chance. Um, right, let's move on to, to Napoli. Uh, Napoli win well. Um, they win 2-0 uh, away at... Who did, who did Napoli play? I've come totally blank. Salernitana. Salernitana, yeah, in the derby. <laughs> so they win 2-0. Goals from um, Elmas, scored as a substitute. And the first... Raspadori. Raspadori, which I've got written right in front of me. But I'm, I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm still early in the morning here. Um, yeah, well, listen, I, I think it was an excellent Napoli performance. They, they created lots of chances. They dominated the play. They dominated the midfield. They conceded nothing. Lots of good individual performances. I think Raspadori is obviously the biggest positive. He's, he's really finding his feet now. Two two goals in a year up until the Milan game, and now he scored. Um, he scored again. Two goals. He scored against Milan the free kick, and now he scored this goal. Really nice finish. Um, so that's really really positive. Um, I thought Politano was really lively. Quara brilliant as always with his dribbling. Um, the midfield, this was more of a real mid Napoli midfield. Anguisa was back, properly back, and was really good. Labocca got the assist for Raspadori, was really good. Elmas was really good as well when he came on. Um, so, so yeah, Napoli, Napoli won. Um, I think the next step now for Napoli is, you know, we've seen this season um, that against the small teams, they've actually still been pretty good. But when they played against the bigger teams, that's when they've really, really fought, felt fallen short. Um, mm. You know, they lost to Lazio, lost to Fiorentina, lost to Madrid. Um, they were a disaster in the first half against against Milan as well. Um, but when they played against the small kind of whipping boys like Salernitana, like Lecce, Udinese, Frosinone, they've actually actually looked like Spalletti Napoli. Mm. Um, so there's a big gulf in performance there. So that that's really now, that needs to be the next step if, if they're going to salvage anything under... Under Rudy Garcia, would you would you agree with that? I think that's fair. Um, I'm I'm really uh, I think one of the mo- most important things is that Aspadori is having the season he's having. He's finally coming to his own at Napoli, um, and and he's he's showing off what a quality player he is. Um, and now he's kind of making you know it's becoming concrete as well. He's scoring goals. He's he's being you know he's, he's delivering assists. He's he's creating problems. Um, and and it's nice to see both him and Skamaka, the, the former Sassuolo duo, coming to their own in, in their respective clubs. Um, I, I 100% agree with what you said about against the small teams because Napoli are such a skilled team with a ball that they have so, they have so many quality players mm. that, that when they play against teams that are not as good, they, they just can't keep up with them. But it's against the bigger teams when they kind of they get better, posed questions to they get out, defensively. Exact, yeah, exactly. Good defensively, point, yeah. And defensively, they get asked questions, and then that's where they are weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Kim and Jay, you know, you don't just replace Kim and Jay as easily as that, as that. And also, the defensive structure under Spalletti isn't there anymore. So I think that's what it is. Um, I still think they'll finish top four. Of, I've said it consistently. I, I don't see a problem for that. I just don't think they're going to win the Scudetto or be, even be involved in the Scudetto race. Um, but top four, they should definitely, they should definitely get that. I mean, the the, the, the top four to me, Inter, Juve, Milan, Napoli, they, they are just better than everyone else, uh, qualitatively on paper and, and otherwise. So I think that that is the top four. Mm. Uh, the the question is, who joins Inter in the Scudetto race? I'm not ready to, to say goodbye to Milan just yet, but I am. 
to you know to, more than prepared to say goodbye to Napoli because I just don't think they've got what it takes under this management and and under this manager and and where they are defensively to 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 pose a serious uh, title title charge. Yeah, I I, I I would definitely agree with all of that. Um, Lazio certainly don't look like they're going to be challenging for the top four after they no. lose one uh, nil uh, at at Bologna. I mean, they were really poor Lazio. If we're talking it from Lazio quickly first, created basically nothing apart from a couple of those couple of chances from corners early on in the game. But apart from that, nothing at all. Uh, Nima, was there really from Lazio? Okay. I don't understand Lazio. This this season, Lazio confused me so much. I, I don't understand what they're doing. Um, it, they sometimes I feel like okay, now it's clicking and, and now it's working, and then they just revert back to form and look static and slow and confused. And, and I. I I don't understand Lazio. I really don't. They 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 frustrate me, and they have a, they have problems up front. They they have a problem up front. They they don't know. I mean, Kamada has not turned out to be what they wanted him to be. He was supposed to get quite a few goals. Chiro Immobile is 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 declining. Um, Isaksen is yet to show who he is. Um, but 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 then also the other players that they've got um, there are not. You know, it, it just it's it's not clicking. It, it looks disjointed at times, um, and and it's it's weird. I I don't I can't figure Lazio out. I know what they want to do, and and sometimes they're able to do it in a few games, and you're thinking, okay, now they're going to start flying, and then they pull up two stinkers. No, it's not. It's the, it's just not. What, something just not working there. They're, they're, I listen. I think number one, the biggest issue is that their offense. They they just they don't have the same firepower. They don't have the same goals in their team. They basically. Taken away their, their it's, you're taking away Milinkovic Savic's goals and you're taking away Immobile's goals. When I say taking away Immobile's goals, he's still there, but Immobile is, is, is I mean, he's, he's, he's old and he's declined so much. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's turning 34. So you're basically taking away all those goals from those two players. Uh, and, and then, so you lose a lot there. And then in addition to that, you obviously lost a really good set. Your center midfield is weaker because you've lost to Milinkovic Savic, uh, but also, yeah, the defence is not working, but the two centre-backs, Romagnoli and Casale, have been so bad, so so poor this season, haven't been so good last season. So you add that all together and, and I think that's what you get what what, what we've seen, really, um, with Lazio. But I mean, as for Bologna, the big, big question with Bologna now is, can they, can they, I mean, how far can Bologna go this season? Can they can they challenge for, for Europe? Because, because, I mean, they're unbeaten in 10 games in Serie A this season. They've only lost the first game of the season um, at, at Milan, and it's their best run in 43 years. Um, obviously, it's going to be very, very tough to keep it up. And, and, I mean, this, this unbeaten run's going to, going to end at some point, probably soon. But, I mean, they, they, they've had a really hard start to the season as well. That's what, 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 what's so amazing about it, is they played Juventus and Inter away, which they, they got draws against. They played Napoli at home, which they drew. They played Milan. They played Lazio uh, uh, as well now, and they they beat Lazio. Um, so all these games, and they've only got one defeat. I mean, it's that. I mean, it's very very impressive, and they're, and they're now currently in the European in the European places. Um, um, so can they can they can they stay there, Nima? I don't think so, but I know that you think they can. <laughs> no, no, I don't think. I never, I never said they would. 
I never no, said no, they were. I said, chance, I said yeah, that yeah, they can true. challenge yeah. for European place. Yeah, I think I was probably can. the only person that said yeah, that. You, um, you did it. Yeah, you did. I, I'm not. I, I think they can. Mm, I don't know, man. I, I just feel that. Let me put it to you this way. If they do it, I think it would be it would be a very, very big achievement. In fact, I'll correct myself. I never said I think they can challenge. I said I think they can be a dark force. That yeah, was my did. exact said, words. Yeah, I, I said force. that they could be a dark force. Um, and I said that for a couple of reasons. Like One, I think Motta is doing an incredible job. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's every game that passes now, he, he looks more and more like a manager that's going to manage a top team. Um, he, he, I mean, he's, he's doing a great job. He improves players. I mean, we spoke about Zirksi. We did a profile on him on Thursday, um, which is not going to be on our YouTube channel um, today or tomorrow, um, about, I mean, what a job he's done in improving Zirksi, and he got the assist in this game. But also, and I know you've been a really big fan of him this season, Calafiori, like mm. adapting him to be a centre-back. I mean, what... what what, I mean, he's been and really he's good as been well. he's so damn good too. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Who would have thought of that? Calafiori's been outstanding in central defence. He's he's just he, he just can't they just can't you know he, he's he's such a pain in the butt. Um, he's difficult to play against, and, he, and he's so he's young too. That's mm. that's the thing. Like people think, oh no, he's he's just twenty one, and but he's been such a good central defender. Like he's he's just he he's he's eating up the the the, the attackers that he's faced against, mm. um, and it's it no I, I, their defense is 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 really good, but they don't play this kind of old school defensive football. They are sound defensively and they're a tough team to play against, but they are very mm. progressive when moving forward. And I, I think I, that's what's yeah. They are, but I think Amata's adapted this season because he he's not. Gung, as gung-ho as he was no, at times no, last season. He, he, no. they're, they're, they're selective in, in when they... But, they but, but what impresses me most is... What impresses me the most about Bologna when I watch them is the patterns of play are very good, but there's always options. They always find their way out of areas. Like when the press, they're very good at press breaking. He's very good at positioning his players to always be available for the ball. That really impresses me with Bologna. That's kind of... I get that... You, I. I that you get that with Deserbi as well. Like Deserbi is, is a master at positioning his players so that however the, the however the opposition attacks you, there's always players available to play their way out. And I think I've noticed that with Motta, like they keep the ball and get their way out of areas really, really good. Um, whether or not they keep it up, I mean, you know, on paper they shouldn't um, based on the players that they have. But, you know, these other teams are not great either, Nima. I mean, Fiorentina we've spoken about you know, Atalanta have their weaknesses. I mean, Roma, Lazio. I mean, these teams are in Europe as well. Um, so, you know, Milan are not in Europe. Uh, you know, let's see. Let's, let's see. No, how, let's see. Let's, let's see, see how I mean, we can do. I, I think I, I don't think they'll finish in the top six because I think Roma mm. uh, is is too good. Conference um, league, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That they can battle Fiorentina for seventh and finish in the conference league. I, I, no. I definitely think they can battle Fiorentina. I do think that maybe Roma. I mean, if we, those top four you've mentioned, then you've got Roma, Lazio, and Atalanta. and Atalanta. I mean, I think I put all three of those above Bologna, if I'm yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Fiorentina, I don't see why they can't challenge against against Fiorentina. But the problem with Lazio is that I just don't trust them this season. Um, I, I, I don't trust have... them either, but I mean, let's see. I mean, where, how far they go in Europe could be important as well. Mm. I mean, you know, if they if they stay in the Champions League or if they stay or if they go to the Europa League, I mean, that would take something mm. out of them as well. Um, so I think the European factor could 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 play a part as well. Absolutely. Um, talking of Roma, though, um, 
I mean, this was another epic ending, just like last week um, with the with the game um, between um, uh, Cagliari. Cagliari on, I mean, yeah. it wasn't the same as Cagliari. They didn't come from four goals behind, but like Cagliari, they were losing by a goal deep into injury time and then they're losing 1-0 and then they scored the 92nd minute with Azmoun scoring a header, bullet header, first goal for the club. And then Romelu Lukaku, who had earlier missed a penalty, scores in the 94th minute, uh, crazy celebration, bursts into tears. Um, I mean, this was just another epic ending to the match, Nima, wasn't it? Oh, it really was. It's, it's just... <laughs> it's like Roma are already like this crazy place, right? And then you bring in you bring in Mourinho's madness into that, and then you have all like it's just like this melting pot <laughs> of just psychotic energy, isn't it? It's just it's just mad. It's just absolutely mad. The club is absolutely batshit crazy, and and, and you have all these big characters, and no, it, it was crazy, man. It was, <laughs> and then you have the crowd there as well, which eggs them on, and, and they have a fantastic support at home, and no, it was you know it, it was too much. It was too much. Um, uh, it was. It was. Uh, I, I think they really deserve to win this. I mean, to be honest with you, I thought Roma were were, were too good. I, I'm, I'm, I was impressed by Lecce. I was, but but I think Roma deserved to win. Well, based this on the chances, they definitely deserve to win. I mean, yeah. they had the the, the, chan- the the penalty, of course. Um, then there was um, um, uh, Dybala shot that, went shot that, that was, was inches just... wide. Lukaku had another one, and then there was an El Sharari chance. I, mean, yeah. I didn't think Roma played particularly well. Um, no. they, I don't think they played well at all. But if you look at the XG, you look at the ch- like the big chances they created. I think they 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 definitely would have been unfair if they'd have lost this game. Um, and um, you know it was a very very it's a very important win for, for for Roma. It's a very very important win because they're now four points off the top four, which is puts them in striking distance. Now it would have been seven if they lost game or six, which is is not good. And now they go into the, I mean it sets up the derby. Next oh week. my god, that derby's going to be mad! Mm. That, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with that derby. I mean, it's, it's just it, that is going to be absolutely insane. You have, I mean, the, the, those games are always crazy. Rome derby is, is just is its own kind of lives in its own bubble. But but then you have all of this going on with Roma mm. and Lazio, and, and you got Sarri and Mourinho on top of that, and it's just and also it's a case where I think that now if you look at where they both are in the table, I mean whoever mm. loses that game, you can almost r- r- you can almost rule them out of the top four. So yeah. it's, it's a big it's a big big game. Whoever wins it though, are right back. You know they're right in there in contention for the top four. So it's, it's 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 a lot riding on this game, not just for the result, for the table, for pride. But also, you know, like you said, the managers, both managers are under a bit of pressure. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's going to be very, it's a lot going to be on this game. It's going to be going to be very exciting to see. Um, yeah, gutting for Lecce. The other weekend fixtures: um, Verona one, Monza three. As we mentioned before, Colombo with a couple of really really fantastic no, goals. Second goal, the second yeah. goal. You have to look at that. I mean, that is just. That, yeah. that that is that's why I rate this kid. I, I that is that is a top goal. That is a top quality goal. Mm. To, you know, to get the ball like that alone and keep four or five defenders occupied and and be able to 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 cut in and, and they no that, that was just yeah, the finish was, too was just stunning. yeah fantastic. Uh, and Cagliari two Genoa one. So Cagliari make it three wins in a row now in all mm. competitions. Two wins in a row in Serie A just goes to show, doesn't it? Um, how how you know 
a dramatic well, game like that. You said it last week, that can really turn around your season. They yeah. got you, they've got Juventus away next. So mm. <laughs> that will be interesting. Uh, on Empoli, Torino, Sassuolo on uh, Monday evening. Uh, right, Champions League um, returns this week. Huge, huge uh, Tuesday for Lazio and Milan. Lazio play Feyenoord at home. Milan play PSG at home. They must win games for, for, for both of them. It's, it's just as simple as that. If they, if they don't win those games, I think we can almost rule them out in terms of Champions League qualification. Uh, Lazio might still have more of a chance, but I, I, I think with them as well, they, they need to win or, or they're probably going to go out of the Champions League. But Milan, 100%. They do not beat PSG. They're out of the Champions League. And as we discussed earlier, the knock-on effects um, are huge um, for the club, for the financially, for for the, the progress the club's making, but also for, for Stefano Pioli's if not necessarily his immediate future, but his future past the end of the season. I, I, I think this game I think regardless, game. unless Milan win the Serie A, I think this could be the last season with Pioli, generally speaking, because then he would have been there for four and a half seasons. And that's, that's a lot of time. That's a long time to be at one club. It is, uh, it is. But, but, you know, the, the, let's say for certain if they if they lose this game, I I, I think it's it's it could, it's, it's probably curtains for him. I think mm. if, if they lose this game, and it's massive, no. it's a massive game for the fans. Um, they have they just have to win this game. And um, Wednesday, Napoli Union Berlin Salzburg Inter. Both teams are in are in really strong positions in the group. Um, both teams can can the well Napoli won't be a hundred percent qualified if they win, but, but Inter will. If Inter, Inter win, will, yeah. Through. Yeah, if yeah. you have to beat Salzburg, they're through. Mm. Um, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, and because they can't be caught by Benfica points-wise, mm. uh, and and Salzburg, they would have beaten them twice. So yeah, to be yeah, so beat Salzburg and Inter are through. Then you know, with two games left to spare, and then it's just a top spot to play for, which I think Inter should be should be winning anyway. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Thursday, Atalanta, Sturm, Graz, Slavia, Prague, Roma, and Kukariki, Fiorentina. That name, Kukariki. I'm yeah. so, I just, every time. Just remind me, so, Salma Hayek saying Kukuracha. <laughs> in that film with with Samuel L. Jackson I can't remember yeah. what, what the film's called but it's just that just name Kukariki me. just makes me giggle every time I read it it's just oh. well they lost 6-0 so they can't do any worse than, than, than that this time um, they right. played like a team that is called Kukariki yes <laughs> they did they did um, right let's finish off with Badjo and Primface of the Week right Badjo of the Week uh, who we got <laughs> we got for Badger. Badger of the week. I've got, I mean, for me, Scamacca's back heel goal against, I think mm. it was Empoli. I mean, that's just stunning. And, and Colombo as well. There yeah. was, uh, no, but so for me, Scamacca's back heel like that was just, oof. Mm. Yeah, I'll give a shout out for Bologna um, as, as well. Um, Prem face of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, Serie A count. <laughs> posting hyping up Giroud's goal against Napoli but posting a video of Raspadori's free kick <laughs> leaving it up for an hour and not noticing is just it's it's unbelievably funny mm-hmm. um and but also I saw something from the MLS yesterday I don't know if you've seen it I, I oh I saw that yeah the referee barging a, a player and is that yeah, what but then, talking about? yeah, that and also the offside. I mean, it's it's offside. 
for goodness sakes. They don't know the offside rule. And no one in Oh, demeaned. is that what they were complaining about? Because I didn't realise. I only looked at the bar, the referee barging. I saw everyone kicking off. Like, how can the referee allow that guy? He's just barged, the, stop the player from getting it's, to it. It's oh. like blatant offside. It's so, <laughs> it's so bad. And it's like, it's just, how was that goal allowed to stand? And then you see Chiellini running around happy as well. Oh, it's just, oh, the whole thing is just so cringe. Yeah. I've, I, I'm, it's one of the most embarrassing things I've seen in a in a professional league. Like yeah. how, like we're talking basic offside rule knowledge here. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. Oof. It was all of the, the entire situation, all of it. The referee, the, the the offside rule not being applied. I mean, it's just all of it, all of it, all of it. It's just it's just so bad. It, it's literally just cringe. Mm. Yeah. So, so that, that's got to be my prem face of the week. Okay, fair enough. Physically okay. hurt me watching that. Yeah. Well, it's Champions League week this week, so you know we're, it's always a, a prem demic whenever it's a Champions <laughs> yes, League week. So we can yes. guarantee there'll be there'll be more next week. Right. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Um, we will be back on tomorrow right, so, yeah so we're back on tuesday and um, this week we won't have a q a um we have an, an interview uh coming um which which uh we will announce um on social media once we've done it because we both me and nimmer are superstitious <laughs> scaramancia. yeah so we don't, scaramancia. we don't want to jinx it um and announce something that doesn't end up happening and so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll push out that interview on on Tuesday uh, instead of the Q&A and we'll do the Q&A next week so uh, anyone that's sending in questions just hold them if you can and um, send them in uh, ahead of next Tuesday Monday next Tuesday yeah next yeah. Tuesday yeah exactly or I'll send them before Monday because we usually record yeah, know, on Mo- yeah we usually record on Monday sometimes we record on Tuesday the Q&A but it's, it's generally better if you can send in your your yeah. questions um, before before Monday yeah. helps Nimmer as well it means yes can- Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. (laughs) Right. Okay. Right. Let's leave it at that. We will see you on Tuesday. Until then, ciao, ciao.